Hey guys, this is John and Austin. Welcome to another episode of the Meatistics Podcast. We finally have Austin back. Kind of. I'm here physically. I don't know that I am fully here because I'm as I, you can hear how I sound. I'm still not a hundred percent, but this is as good as we're getting out of me right so now. I was wondering if you were saying like your corporeal existence and your spiritual, you know, maybe you were here. Yeah. My, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm on the spiritual vacation right now. My, my spirit is somewhere else. No, I don't know. <laughs> that's hocus pocus. All right. So his voice is pretty close to being shot still. Uh, so we will get through a bunch of things as quickly as possible. Pretty much. We're going to talk about a new couple of products, try a few samples, get on to meat matters. We'll try and get Austin out here as quick as possible. Our new Walton's gloves, both the orange eight mil that have a texture diamond pattern to give added grip and the five mil black ones that are smooth are in. Uh, we just had Dylan in here trying to break them. I don't know what Austin's doing right here. It looks like he's... We have a oh, hand measuring guide the on the back. I guide. didn't know we had that. That's awesome. Yeah, that's on the old box too, though. I'm fairly sure at least. So what he's talking about is on the back of these boxes, you can put your hand up against a little kind of scale ruler thing, and it'll show you whether you should be wearing small, medium, large, extra large, or double XL. I don't know why anyone would go with the size that like their hand, like I probably would factor in large here, I'm assuming. So I put it just like this. Yeah, it says I should wear a large, but I always wear an XL because it's more comfortable. Yeah. I don't like my hands being hugged too tight. So I, I was just talking with our store manager about this like yesterday and difference between like, well, sizing on gloves and vinyl versus nitrile. Um, nitrile gloves are, I typically wear a size bigger than I would mm -hmm. anything else just because they're like compared to like a vinyl or a latex glove, like they're not as stretchy. So the size, like it would, it fits your hand, but it feels tighter and it's more compressive because it doesn't have the same give that some other gloves have. So I usually size up one. So typically in the nitrile gloves, then, I mean, it's people, people generally know that a lot of times. So we always sell more of the larger sizes right. than the smaller. So we, I forget, I think it was, I don't know. It was one of the gloves we like discontinued like smalls on, and he was asking like, "Well, why do we do that?" And it's like, "Well, we don't we don't sell don't them because yeah, people that normally wear smalls they size up to mediums." But the boxes that we have here, the uh, oranges are in large, which is actually a, a pretty comfortable fit, um, and these are XL. That's going to work against you. Austin just breathe into the glove to like blow it out, <laughs> but it gets moisture in there, and it actually makes it harder to get the glove on. So don't do that at home. Does anybody else sweat uncontrollably in those? Remember yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Dude, remember me at the oh, zoo? Oh God. He took his glove off at a zoo at the zoo oh. once and just like So don't go I, don't I, go near the customer. He gallon goes, came out. Don't let them see you. Yeah, it was disgusting. I still see I still see people walking around every now and then, like with masks on in the grocery store. Do you grab it and, and pull it and snap it back at them? No. But I I have been seeing more and more people that are like we're still wearing masks out wearing rubber gloves too and i'm like no that is just insane just go everywhere in public with a mask and gloves it would uh, yeah i would end up like pouring <laughs> gallons of water out of my glove in the last week how many times have you seen someone wearing a mask and rubber gloves twice and it wasn't the same person no where did you see this i don't remember i remember the uh situation i don't remember where i was take a picture next time i 
Okay. I don't believe people are still doing that. I think you were wrong. <laughs> no, you missed. You, 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 you're you're misremembering. You're, mis- you're mistaken. All right. I'll take so, next time. The eight mil gloves are incredibly thick. Uh, we're going to see if I can rip these. It's going to hurt if I can. Oh. I'm worried about me, too. <sighs> Finally got it, but that was hard. Yeah. It's about as strong as I can pull. Just keep um, and I can pull an 80 pound bow with minimal problems. Now, the five mil should rip easier. Those are even strong, though. Yeah, and that is. My- What'd you break? We just dropped the uh, thing we hid right there. <laughs> um, so, yeah, they're very, very strong, very hard to break. Um, and good feeling to them. I feel like I'll probably end up using more of the black gloves. The orange is nice because it's got the diamond texture on it. Oh, yeah. But I don't need that. And the. I don't know what you would call it. The feel through of the black gloves is better. Oh, because it's thinner. Yeah. Yeah. I love the orange gloves like for, um, to be honest, I use them just as much for non-food applications. Okay. I, I keep them in my garage. They're like my shop gloves because um, you can you can do a lot of stuff with them and still not tear them and break them up. So they, uh, they get a lot of outdoor use um, even because I'm a pansy. Um, if we I'm know just like, that. I know if I'm like, if I'm doing some sort of gardening and digging in the dirt, I'm going <laughs> to put the orange gloves on, but to, to, to my defense, I have like a terrible phobia of snakes and the glove, my, the glove will help. Yeah. Yeah. My wife does. My wife finally like is help? starting to understand more because you're going to touch them. So when you're digging, when you're gardening, okay, I have a lot of snakes. When you're digging in the garden, there are snakes. So my wife, we just pulled a bunch of bushes. My wife is doing stuff two nights ago and I was, I was inside with kids. She came in and she was like, I just picked up a snake on accident. It's a small snake, little baby snake, probably eight inches long, nothing crazy, but they just, they live in the garden, in the dirt and stuff. And so you're going around, rather have the gloves on when you pick up something like that, that you don't You know they're not slimy, right? Yeah, but it's still, I have, I have an unreasonable fear of okay. snakes. I okay. know it's, hey, I know it's not reasonable. We all know I have those too. So you're rational. Snake is cool. not one of them. Snake and spider. I don't understand why people are afraid of. This is why I wanted to see pictures of, of, uh, you and snakes from your pond. Cause you've talked about how many snakes are around there mm-hmm. at times. And I want to see dead snakes because every snake should die. <laughs> snakes should be extinct. We I have hate, a, I hate a snakes. lot more I frogs and rats. That's okay. Okay. The frog, the frogs will eat the June bugs, and I hate June bugs. June bugs are out in full force at our house right now. This is no. Who thinks June June bugs don't? They're totally inoffensive. You don't have to like or hate everything. You can can be neutral on (laughs) stuff. I have very uh, strong feelings. (laughs) You just be like, yeah, oh oh well. We're gonna start holding up stuff. Is this like, like, hate, hate, hate? hate. (laughs) Oh, those are terrible. Also, (laughs) get yourself a Walton's. Smoker soaker. Uh, we're gonna do a video here pretty soon on exactly how much we can increase relative humidity in a smoker with one of those. But we have a post on it from uh, a long time ago uh, when we were releasing the initial or maybe the second round of Mecha Six University stuff. It is your best bet at getting similar to a commercial smoker level of humidity in your smoker that is going to decrease your smoke times and it will uh, prevent you from having a dried out product. So great, easy way to do it. They're inexpensive. I think they're $10.99 and 99. They're not expensive. So with you under oath, did you purposefully get blue for the towel? 
Is, it, that, is this a team blue dig? Nope, nope. There were only two options. Uh, one was blue and the other one was orange. And orange <laughs> didn't make any sense for us. No. Orange didn't make any sense no. for us. As a company, I don't think orange if made sense If you really turned no. down orange, yeah, they were oh just my blue. gosh. That's just what they were. I mean, it's, you know, design-wise, it its actual purpose is a cooling towel. Like, runners use this to keep themselves cool because it like absorbs their moisture and then evaporates that off really quick, cooling yeah. you down. So we're using it for the same thing, but blue is like a cooling color. So that's why it's blue. Oh, yeah. So okay. nothing. I had nothing to do. Is it really for runners or is that like it's for military purposes? Athletes, like whatever. And, and uh, then, you know what I mean? Sure. Yeah. Like trickle <laughs> and then, down. And then it got to sure. us. I mean, that's the same thing that started with like all these uh, supplements. They started out like, hey, we need to keep these Super, special yeah. forces like hydrated, awake, cool. alert for this long. And then everyone's like, oh, I could use that too. So they start using then so, I yeah. get Then I get chewable Gatorade. Exactly. That's how it's just a trickle down. <laughs> so anything you have, like the elite members of the military had like a decade ago or more. All right. We also have some samples back here. Uh, this is from a company called All Things Salumi. Um, Kurt Carter, who's been on the podcast numerous times um, and is an absolute wonderful character, character came to me. Uh, one of his customers had given him a, a selection of different salumis that they'd made. And he said, if I cut, if I slice them all up and divided them between three portions, I could have one. Dylan got one and he got one. So we're going to eat off of my selection here. Um, and hopefully we can get, because it's a, a woman who's the head of this portion of the company business, which is all things Salumi. Um, hopefully we can get her on as a podcast member. That'd be awesome. These are, well, I don't want to. Go ahead. Which one do you want to try first? We've got a Spanish chorizo, a sopraceta picante, a pepperoni, um, a finociana, which I was unfamiliar with. And I feel like we're missing one. Talk for a bit. We, can you say the second one again? That was so fluent. Sopraceta? Sopraceta picante. But I don't know. The chorizo, probably most excited to try because chorizo stuff like that can be absolutely just amazing. But we probably should do chorizo last because that's going to destroy our taste buds. It's just, I, I'm, I'm guessing that it's going to have so much flavor that it's going to be hard to taste the other ones without a really good palate cleanse first, which... Is there uh, a regular Genoa salami over there? No, they're somehow either I gave Dylan an open package of Genoa salami or I ate it all yesterday. I don't think I ate it all yesterday, but I don't know. So I was snacking on this stuff pretty much nonstop. All right. So let's try the Finocchina. Go right to left here. Yeah. Finocchina first. I, I had never had anything like this before. Well, I'd never had this specific flavor before. There you go. You get one. I get two. That's fine. It's right off the bat, the texture, killer. Absolutely amazing. Looking at it, I mean, you've got beautiful particle definition there, like really nice pieces of fat. Uh, you got nice, like just bright white fat, obviously really good levels of uh, protein. Then we've got seasoning that we can actually see in the sausage, which I really like. Just being able to like, oh, there's some pepper, there's some blah, blah, blah. What colors, blah, blah. How pronounce that? Finociona. I don't know. Yeah, Finociona. Well, I'm sure we're wrong. 
right. Yeah. No I, but I, top I, notch. That stuff is absolutely excellent. Let's move on to the pepperoni. So this is the pepperoni similar to like what you would buy in a log at a store. Not exact, but similar. Again, really nice particle definition. My favorite part is when you guys chew. The flavor just <laughs> builds really nicely. Yep. That is the first one was good, but that is better. It's like buttery smooth. I don't know how to explain it better than that. Like the fat just perfectly covers all the inside of your mouth and flavor just keeps going and going and going. Um, yeah, we probably needed some sort of palate cleanser between these, but what's really going to happen is you're going to eat one of each and then I'm just going to keep munching on them throughout the entire podcast. You can have two of this one. Ooh, it says big pepper chunks. So this is the Sopraceta Picante. And just FYI, that one's my favorite. Lots of pepper. Mm-hmm. Lots of pepper. We've got large peppercorns in here. Love seeing that. That's how I grew up eating like a Genoa salami was with the, the full peppercorns. Got a great flavor. It's nice dark color. Um, I would say this one is darker than the other two. The pepperoni is more red, but this is just like a nice really dark meat color. So the pepper is kind of... I say it's like, it's kind of overwhelming, but not too overwhelming. The other flavors still come through just fine. Someone who doesn't like spicy is not going to like that, even though it's, I wouldn't say it's spicy, but the pepper has some heat. It's black pepper. Heat. Yeah. yeah. But that's just, it's got so much flavor. And that, as everyone knows, I overseason everything. I love stuff that is just packed with flavor. That yeah, I would is say amazing. On that one, the pepper more enhances the other flavors then overwhelms it yeah so the last one we have here is this spanish chorizo totally different taste than the others as soon as you bite into it you're like oh that is different lower salt content way more other things going on like with all of these as soon as you bite into it you're like yes that's the right right amount of salt this one the first time you bite into it you're like oh like that's different. I'm tasting kind of deeper notes because that initial hit of salt uh -huh. isn't there. Yeah. So I, I changed what I said on the order. The, uh, I was wondering. <laughs> the Sopraceta Picante, that should have been last because that was it was hard to pick up the chorizo flavor at first just because they still had so much pepper on everything. But the chorizo is good. I don't know if the flavor actually does build a lot or if it just took that long to overtake the pepper, but great flavor. But it's hard to beat that super set of picante. Yeah. That is outstanding. Top notch. All of them absolutely amazing. Wish we had the Genoa salami here or Genoa, however you want to say it. But all of them excellent. Um, I don't know if these people sell this online. I probably should look. But yeah, it's all things salumi and it is top notch. All right. Do you have anything else you want to talk about before we get into meat matters? Nope. Okay. Popping right into meat matters. Trying to get Austin out of here earlier, early today. Uh, first one is wall meat processing is the first plant in the state to be part of CIS. So this was sent to me by your dad. Following a two-year application examination process, according to Wall Meat Processing, Ken Shafaris, Wall Meats is the first meat processing plant in the state of South Dakota to be able to ship meat out of the border utilizing cooperative interstate shipment. That's the CIS. It started when I was 
interim secretary of agriculture when we created the grant program initially, $5 million grant program in conjunction with getting approved for the CIS program in South Dakota, said South Dakota Lieutenant Governor Larry Roden. The CIS program brings state and federal meat inspections to, or inspectors together to ensure that meat processing operations meet USDA standards. Before, people had to travel to South Dakota or call in special orders from meat for here, for meat from here. Now that Walmart's is USDA CIS certified, they can solicit and ship anywhere nationwide. I was pretty stoked about hearing this announcement because it marks the beginning, and I think Ken and Janet kind of paved the way for others, said Roden. So this is kind of going along with what we've been talking about. Um, a combination of state inspection and federal inspection where those two work in conjunction. Eventually, this ends USDA. Eventually, we get all state inspector inspection no. up to a level. We're just like, okay, no, we don't need the federal USDA anymore. No. You can go away. That's That'll never happen. That's what I want. I think that would be great. Let each state do what they want, but I don't think that'll happen. But this, um, so just to clarify, make sure I'm understanding entirely, people are still needing to be state inspected. Yep. So it's not no inspection like Correct. the Prime Act. Correct. This is not the Prime okay. Act. Uh, in fact, I have that in my notes. It's separate than the Prime Act, but um, in the same vein as the okay. Prime Act. I So I'm on board with this, I believe. The Prime Act, I still have a lot of reservations on. And I've, I've seen at least one uh, meat association. I think it was the I might be wrong, but I think it was the North American Meat Institute. I think they came out against the Prime Act. Uh, Where is that article? I don't know. Why are we not talking I know. about that? Are you kidding me? I've been sick for three weeks. Eh, I am not in my normal All element. Right. Find that if you can find that because yeah. we need to. I want to dive into that because yeah, we do. We do. We do need to talk more about the Prime Act and get into some more nitty gritty on that. But um, I yeah. This one, though, I this I like. I think I like what they're doing. It's one step away from being towards the Prime Act, which I think maybe goes too far. I don't know. I'm still. I say that I'm reserving final judgment because I just I don't know enough yet. I think the Prime Act does not go too far enough. It's good. That's nah, a reference. Don't worry about it. it. Well, it just it's one of those things that. Maybe that direction is good, but to, to make the steps that they're making, other changes need to happen too. And if you make if you make one set of changes without the other, you're gonna create problems. Hmm. It's gonna it's not gonna be good. There are problems now. Yeah. Do like we that's, need more? Is it going to cause more? Like they think they're gonna solve. Um, I was talking with somebody else about something similar the other day they, the government thinks they're going to solve the issue of the big four owning 85 percent of the meat market right and they won't they can't it will take too much money to get the small to mid-sized guys to actually take a meaningful chunk of market share you know there, there's thousands tens of thousands of small to mid-sized guys across the country yep. to equal what four big players do so if each of those tens of thousands can increase their market share by 5%. That adds up to real, real numbers. Eventually you're still talking about, is it five, is it 5% overall? Yeah, it I doesn't, that's what that would be. Yeah. If each one increases. So the big four goes from 85 to 80. 
That doesn't oh, make I'd, that doesn't make meaningful impact. Oh, I'd take five percent. Are you kidding me? Five percent of what is a multi-billion dollar a year industry? Of course that's real. It doesn't take it doesn't take power or monopolization oh, away from the big four. Yeah, you want too much too quickly. That's not gonna happen. It's this is going to be a movement slowly over the next few decades. Yeah. It's not just gonna be all of a sudden JBS, Tyson, all of them are like, oh, okay, well now instead of eighty percent collectively we're fifty percent. This is a decades long movement. Yeah. And part of it is going to have to be end consumers actually caring where they buy their meat from. Instead of going to Dillon's, going to whatever, they go to Walnut Valley, they go to Crables. Like that's where it's going to come from. Yeah. But things like this are a step in the right direction. That's why I like it. All right, moving on. With Grant and your dad was sending, so his father was over <laughs> in uh, Europe this past week. Big packaging expo called like no, Interpack. No, it was like basically European vacation. Yeah. Basically, that's what they did. They said they, the, the convention center was not like a convention center. They said it was like 20 different buildings, some that were like hundreds of thousands of square feet apiece. They said they walked seven to eight miles yeah. on the convention floor every day for like four or five days straight. It's crazy. Just before this, your brother and I had a discussion about the shoes he was wearing for that. It's like <laughs> my feet never hurt a single time. He was wearing some brand that looked like Hoka's, but weren't. So, I don't know. All right. Uh, with grant in hand, Berkshire Agriculture Ventures attempts to ease the bottleneck in slaughterhouses. Um, I did, fair warning, I did reach out to these people and have already gotten a response. Uh, they would like to have a representative on for a segment of the podcast. So just fair warning, not fair warning, but just so everybody knows. <laughs> uh, this is uh, from Great Barrington. It says, at the Hilltown Pork Butchery in Canaan, New York, Near the West Stockbridge town line, workers can only process so much beef, pork, lamb, and goat meat. There isn't enough space or staffing for all that is produced by Hilltown's 220 farms, 30 to 40 of which are in the Berkshire County. And the pace of operations is wearing out equipment that can easily run up to $30,000 to replace. There are no meat processors in Berkshire, so farmers bring their animals to various butchers in the region and beyond. There's not enough of us to take care of the demand that's out there, said Ben Beckwith, Hilltown's vice president, owner, and general manager. He said he's seen this demand rise over the last 15 years and a spike that began during the pandemic as residents developed new buying habits, good, to avoid grocery stores. People want to know where their food is coming from a lot more than in the past. Perfect, absolutely perfect. So, where the Berkshire uh, Ag Venture BAV, BAV, for, from here on out. They're a nonprofit that not only helps with low interest loans uh, for things like uh, plants or plant and animal farms that want to get into processing, but they also help them with industry knowledge. So it's kind of a, a, a hand in hand thing. Um, from BAV's website, it says, BAV is uniquely positioned to meaningfully impact local farms and food businesses by producing flexible financing options coupled with one-on-one -on -one technical business assistance. Uh, they've had $600,000 awarded through resilience grant funds, so grants, 5,900 acres kept in ag management, and $900,000 in low-interest funds. Or, yeah, low-interest funds. So they're doing both. Uh, Grants and low interest funds. They state that locally grown and sourced food is the future 
And we've been saying that, or at least I've been saying that for quite some time now. Um, you're going to end up with better tasting, healthier. Austin's got a smile on his face that's making me worried about something. What's up? Do you not remember who's better at projecting long-term things? <laughs> I'm sorry. I had what do you have in, out there? Okay, what do you have in mind? I don't know. It just because if if that all if that is the future, then I think you're right, and the the tens of thousands of small processors will grow more than the big four. And mm -hmm. our conversation on the last article, but I don't know. I, that's where I want things to go, but I don't know that it'll go there. That's counterintuitive to what is probably natural. You're not in the same, uh, outside of work, you're not in the same space as I am. Like I'm, I'm seeing a move of people out of cities into suburbs and the people who are in suburbs, out of suburbs into rural. These are people who want to get back to a more traditional way of life. They want to get back to having their own chickens. I mean, that, that industry has gone insane in the last five years. True. It's people who want to own a few pigs, a few cows, and that movement is growing. Those are the type of people I am saying will push this going forward. Your average city dweller, no, they're going to keep going to whatever, just yeah. wherever the meat is the cheapest and the closest. They won't care about where the animal came from, how it was treated, none of that. I think as that population continues to stay stagnant um, because we're having those people have less kids, self-select out of having kids. And as people move out further from the cities, their families will grow and continue to flourish boosting that portion. So that's so you, my thought. So you think one, that one, the one population there is going to grow faster than the other. Yes. Okay. That, that would make sense then. I'm, I was thinking more of like, we're going to like convince, uh, no. city people no. to, okay. If, if that's not where you're going, then I can be that on board and I'm, yeah, I think, I think you could be right then. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so hopefully we've got somebody coming on to the podcast in the next couple of weeks. Um, cause I, fully support what they do. I think it's awesome. Plus I think it's cool that, I mean, that's just an hour and a half from where I grew up. So very cool. Pretty cool. And that's how many, that's insane. Like how many times we're like talking about something and you're like, Oh, that was like where I that was back from New York. That was well, like right next to me. That was like across the road. <laughs> first of all, I've, I mean, I've lived in seven different States, right? So there's a lot of places where we're like, Oh yeah, I was, I was He's right there. I was right there. This is, Ooh. this would like, be oh, a terrible job. Actually, so many things like would make sense. Low enough levels of exposure where it'd be like, well, they would never put, you know, whatever my mafia name would be. They'd never have them doing this. I'm going to check your medical record and see if you've ever had facial there reconstructive surgery. There is no medical surgery. record. <laughs> I, the last time I've been to a doctor, I was still a. That's right. He hates doctors yeah. too. It would there is none. It's a time traveler. Patrick has something. There is You're none. A time traveler, right? Yeah. Like I was a minor the last time I went to a doctor, I think. I'm pretty sure. No, I had to be at least 18 because I was in college. I'll find that record and destroy it. <laughs> All right, moving on. Meat, eggs, and milk are critical part of a healthy diet. So this Sweet. is going to hit. A, this is why you were excited. A run of a couple of stories that I stopped when I was. So. A couple of times a week, I'll just go to, you know, a couple of different news sources and search meat. And Tuesday, I think it was, I stopped what everyone was doing to announce that this is my favorite hour of doing research for the <clears throat> podcast 
since we've been doing it. Cause it's just like story Taylor made to make John happy. I was like, that's amazing. Next one story Taylor made to make John happy. This one is meat, eggs, and milk are critical part of a healthy diet. Um, so we talked about this a little bit on the last podcast, but you weren't here. So I wanted to, to get into it a little bit more. A new report from the United Nations Food and Agricultural Organization has determined that meat, eggs, and milk are vital sources for much needed nutrients, such as proteins, fats, and carbohydrates that aren't easily found in plant-based foods. The comprehensive study, which is based on data of more than 500 scientific papers and 240 policy documents, which mean nothing, also stated that these nutrients are critical during key life stages, such as pregnancy and lactation, childhood, adolescence, and older age. So basically, everywhere from the time Through you're every a fetus stage. until the time you're dead. Eating a balanced diet that includes milk, eggs, and meat, all coming from actual animals, is critical to sustaining a healthy style of life. So no, you don't get to have a vegan kid. Like, nope, can't do it. You are depriving that kid of nutrients it needs to grow up and be a well-adjusted member of society. Because we've seen it more and more and more. And you and I have talked about it more recently than ever before off air. How much what's going on in your gut affects the rest of your life, affects uh -huh. your brain development, affects your outlook on things. Dude, I'm just trying to get my kid to eat food, let alone anything that I think is good for him. Okay, talk oh. to me about that. Like, what is the struggle there? He just you, doesn't want to you, well, consume? You ask him, what do you want to eat? Or they don't know, and you list options that are doable. Uh, and it's usually, you usually settle on chicken nuggets or something else. And then, but then they focus on the side instead of the main meal. Uh -huh. And you're like, no, no, you need the protein. And they, ah, they whine. And they're just, if, or they drink. They drink all the drink and then I realize they're getting full just from the liquid. Right. Because that's easier to go down while they distract themselves watching television. It's almost funny. It's like your drunk buddy at a bar trying to eat nachos. <laughs> and, oh, well, okay, well, on, wait, wait. and then he forgets he has food and then it gets on him a little bit. And then he real, you know, forgets to pay his tab and then he goes upstairs and passes out. So it's, was, this, was this your guys' experience growing up where your mother or father would be like, okay, what do you want for lunch? Because mine was, here is lunch. Yeah. Eat. We didn't get lunch. Oh, okay. Yeah. No un lunch. Until I could cook for myself, I had no say in what I ate. Yeah. So, like, for us, like, we we usually don't let the kids pick what they're going to eat. Because if we do... Because like, you're a good father. Leo's going to say... Leo's going to be like, I want candy. It's like, no. But, like, last night, we... Patrick has a mouthful of food, so he can't... The illusion of like choice, that. John... <laughs> You make them think that they're getting a choice, but it's it's a select A, B, C, or D, and it's usually okay. Yeah. That's fair. I just want to get a dig in. Go ahead. La last last night we had steak for dinner, um, which is going to be the last time in a while. It was twenty five freaking dollars a steak. Twenty five dollars a steak. It was ridiculous. I can't. I told I told my I take that back. I'm going to start buying uh, prime rib rolls and and cutting my own steaks. Literally half the price. So, okay. nonetheless getting off that tangent. Um, we had steak. Um, my daughter, she's, I don't know. I mean, she's 17 months old. You can't do a whole lot other than just put the food in front of her and let her do what she's going to do. Right. It's, it's hard to hard to do anything there. My son, uh, four years old, he, uh, he does not like steak. He flat out said, 
I I tried it and I don't like it because we always tell him like, well, you need to try it first. Right. And he'll be like, I don't like it. Well, have you tried it? No. Well, try it and see if you've liked it or you need to learn to like it. Right. <laughs> and uh, so he, he didn't want to eat it, but he, we also made macaroni and cheese. Loves that. And he, he ate all of that and was like, I want more of that. And really? we're like, no. He's you, your son for sure. <laughs> eat your, eat your steak. And, uh, uh, what we end up doing is we we try to compensate something. We give him like a dipping sauce, uh, ketchup, barbecue sauce, ranch. So last night he had ranch and then he's like, I like it in the ranch. <laughs> so then he's taking strips of steak, dipping it in a ranch and eating it. Well, there you go. He eats all his steak and then I gave him more mac and cheese. So he like, we let him choose because he wants more mac and cheese. Great. But you have to eat the good stuff, the good for you stuff first, and then you can have more of that. Okay. But yeah, that's awesome. Balancing act. Yeah, I don't ever like. I, I know there were times when I was a kid, like my family would be eating something, and they would yeah. lie to me and be like, "You won't like this." And I remember when something flipped in my head. I was like, "Oh, they're telling me I won't like it, so they don't have to share it with me." And then, like, I was like, "Okay, next time you have that, I'm trying some," and I would just grab some and be like, "Oh, I like this." I'm like, yes, I get some of this now too. So. Uh, but yeah, uh, your taste buds change a bunch, especially as you're growing up. So oh, he yeah. legitimately might not like the taste of steak right now, but eventually he will. I don't think, I think he doesn't like the work of chewing. Like <laughs> I'm like dead serious. I don't think it's a flavor thing. I think it's the fact that he has to chew it more and it's more work. And the macaroni one, yes, every, every kid loves mac and cheese, but you don't have to choose you don't have to chew as much. You don't have to work for it. Right. I, it sounds stupid, but I think it's, a, <laughs> I think that's what it is on a lot of it. Kids are weird. Yeah. Okay. Uh, moving on. Uh, this is another one. Your dad was on a, just a sending me thing. Hot streak. Um, this is from, uh, joe.co.uk. So normally not something we would use as a source, but it's a, like an interview. Um, so we're fine with it. Uh, it's Bear Grillis has revealed he feels embarrassed. Grillis? Grills. 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 Have I always said Grillis? I've always said Grillis. <laughs> yeah. uh, that he used to promote veganism. So this from the article, not too long ago, the adventure and survivalist used to be vegan and even <laughs> wrote a vegan cookbook. But his diet nowadays couldn't be much different as he yeah. now eats a diet that's heavy on red meat and no vegetables at all. Yes! I saw this guy go, listen, in survival situations, you have one of two choices. You either die or succumb to the, or you adapt. And here's what I'm, and he's holding a fish and he just goes, great little piece of fish. You can clean it up. This will be great for later. Except I'm eight hours away from sundown. So this looks right. And he just, here's your gills. And he just takes a bite right into it. And just, ah, he goes, I think it's dead now. And then he just, <laughs> he goes, you can eat that bit. Cut out the eye. Great, great oils and protein. And he just keeps chugging. I was like, oh, man, that guy just manhandled that fish, dude. Like, that guy had no chance. Had no chance? The fish had no chance, you mean? Yeah. Oh, okay. It was over, man, once he got his eyes on that, man. So, vegan. Yeah, right. <laughs> but, okay. Eats no vegetables at all. Love that. Because I, the only vegetable I ever eat is a carrot nowadays. That's it. Not even snap peas? I don't have, I haven't had any in months and months and months. You only eat carrots as your vegetable. That's the only vegetable that I ever eat anymore. Apple is the fruit I'll eat. 
and a carrot is a vegetable. Interesting. Well, we are going to change that because don't worry, I have not forgotten. We are still eating Moving mashed on. potatoes. Um, I was vegan quite a few years ago. In fact, I wrote a vegan cookbook and I feel a bit embarrassed because I really promoted that. I thought that was good for the environment and I thought it was good for my health. And through time and experience and knowledge and study, I realized I was wrong on both counts. Whoops. I asked ChatGPT the other day, um, <laughs> do more animals die from a vegan diet or a carnivore diet? And it like tried some double speak, but it, I mean, even it was like, by individual animal life, more are killed eating a vegan diet. It's like, yes. So there is no, there is no denying it. I love seeing that that's out there more. You just feel better about it because you're like, well, I didn't intend to kill it. It just killed, be was killed because of my choices. It's like, ah, that's worse. Yeah. It's not better. Yeah. How I wonder with the whole, with the whole vegan diet, if you were vegan, could you take antibiotics? Because technically you're, you're taking antibiotics to kill a living being Must. of sorts. Must Bacteria are living, how, right? How dare you? Yeah. Can they have yogurt? Ooh, probably not. It's dairy. Can but could you have like a non-dairy based yogurt? Probiotics. Antibiotics. Okay. Can vegans have antibiotics? Any of the biotics. No, no. Are vegans opposed to the production of anti-venom? Yeah, I know they are on that, which is ridiculous. Everything's just anti-venom. Huh. Other thing, I keep I I've seen a video of Bear Grylls like twice in the past month of him, like it's kind of what Patrick was saying. He's like, "There's you have two choices," and he's like, "I could do this or I could drink my own urine." Yeah, he loves drinking his own urine. <laughs> Drinks his urine. Loves it. Is that vegan? <laughs> it's from you, I imagine. Yes, That's I imagine rough. you can. That's rough. All right. Uh, this is another one from your dad. It's from Southeast Agnet. Um, and it's the smaller U.S. cattle herd squeezing meat packers profits. America's beef cow herd hasn't been this small since 1962. Drought and the high cost of feed force producers to cut the herd sizes instead of keeping animals for breeding. Livestock producers who fatten cattle suddenly have leverage over meat packers as they negotiate cattle prices with organizations like Tyson, JBS, and Cargo. U.S. News says meat processors are assessing the future of consumer demand. Should be should uh, beef products price sorry should demand. I'm going to start the whole sentence over. <laughs> U.S. News says meat processors are assessing the future of consumer demand should beef prices rise, along with cattle supplies and margins, to determine how many animals to slaughter in the months ahead. Whew, that was a rough one to get through. Cargill says it expects cattle prices will rise further and beef prices to rise as well. The unknown factor is demand. How much will consumers be willing to pay? The amount of money that meat packers make buying cattle and converting them to meat product dropped under $40 a head in April. That's after reaching over $700 in May of 2020. So that's a, almost a 20 time fall off in two or three years. If, now, if you accept that $700 a head number, I don't think I do. I don't think I do yeah. either. But I also, I also wonder, are they talking gross or net? Because that makes a huge difference. Because if you're making $40 net profit, 
that's still fantastic. That's great. Right. You're making a ton of money doing that. But if that's your gross profit, that's bad. So maybe really, really, really bad. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe the four, the 40, because, you know, you can lie with numbers and statistics wonderfully. So maybe the 40 is net and the 700 was gross. I don't know. Sometimes, yeah, when I hear numbers like that, I I need more information to really know what's going on there. Fair point. Um, All right, moving on. This is from The New Scientist and another article that just made me so, so happy. Uh, (laughs) Lab-grown meat could be 25 times worse for the climate than beef. Meat producers from cultured cells, or meat produced from cultured cells could be 25 times worse for the climate than regular beef unless scientists find a way to overhaul energy-intensive steps in its production. Lab-grown or cultivated meat is made from growing animal stem cells around a scaffold in a nutrient-rich broth. It has been proposed as a kinder and greener alternative to traditional meat because it uses less land, feed, water, and antibiotics than animal farming and removes the need to farm and slaughter livestock. Now, we talked about this a while ago, the scaffold and the lattice structure, um, but it does look like the tables are starting to turn on lab-grown meat already. Recently, I have read articles talking about how they're not sure that the health benefits are going to be the same. We talked about how it's starting to get out that they're using immortal cells, which are precancerous or cancerous cells, and now this, that it's actually worse for the environment. Um, this reminds me of the other night I couldn't sleep. I finally am off my... Every year I go through a week of like insomnia, and that was this past week. The last two nights I've gotten like eight and a half hours both nights. feel amazing. Um, but one of the nights I couldn't sleep, so I was scrolling through uh, old Top Gear clips. I love Top Gear. Like I just, I love that show. I don't even care about the cars that much. Very rude. He can't stop. Oh, I wish you couldn't stop it. Um, I don't even like the cars so much. I like those three, their interactions together. Like they have a good back and forth. Anyways, it was Clarkson talking about how Priuses at the time. The nickel for it was mined in Canada, which is a terribly uh, environmentally unfriendly process. Then it was shipped over to the UK where it was processed again. Then it was shipped to China where it was turned into like some sort of foam. Then shipped to Japan where it was made into the batteries and put into the car. So that's just the battery right there. And then shipped all over the world. And like, you're telling me that that's more friendly for the environment? I don't think so. Yeah. So you would have to, I think the the last thing I actually like looked down and read, it was you would have to drive your Prius for a hundred years to make up the carbon cost for everything that went into producing it. It's crazy. It's absolutely insane. So they are not better Wait, for the environment. They last a hundred years though? They do not last a oh, hundred years. That's great. Mark. And then you have the problem of what do you do with the battery when you're done with the car? Because you can't just go put it in a junkyard. Yeah, dig a big hole. That doesn't sound like a good plan to me. Like you're talking about one of those holes to the center of the earth in Siberia? That's what they do with nuclear material. Dig a big hole. Yeah, but nuclear material, far, far less of it than this for one. Two, they do have like good ways of storing it now. So, I don't know. All right. Um... I'm a nutritionist. This is why school vegan dinners can be worse than meat options. 
So this is from the Daily Mail. We use them occasionally. Uh, vegan nuggets, beans, and chips. A baked potato, bread, and salad. Even a meat-free sausage roll. These are just some of the dreary-sounding vegan school dinners served up to kids over the past few years. But top dietitians and nutritionists have warned that the eco-conscious push to adopt meat-free meals may come at a price. Instead of giving kids a roast with carrots and broccoli, they instead risk being served up ultra-processed foods. These items, which can include meat substitutes, can contain poor quality ingredients and lack of vital nutrients and vitamins, experts said. They told the Daily Mail online that the ideal school dinner should include high-quality protein, healthy fats, and a variety of vegetables or salad. It's, we have turned the corner on veganism. I feel like it was a push from the World Economic Forum, from the media industrial complex. Ooh, I like that term. The media industrial complex instead of the military industrial complex. I said that first. <laughs> Trademark copyright. Clip that, clip that, clip that. Media industrial complex. Um, but I feel like it is starting to turn. And it started a couple months ago, really, with the the fall from grace or whatever you want to say of companies like Beyond Meat, where all of a sudden you started getting some pushback from Wall Street investors who are like, uh, this company's not doing well. And they cannot survive without this constant push. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how things keep progressing because you would, I don't know, you would think that it would continue to just lose its shine and glimmer and its cool look. But on the other hand, some of the people that want to push it so hard, they will refuse to lose. So I don't know what'll happen. Once these products actually hit the market, exactly what happened with the impossible Whopper will happen. People will reject it because you're not hitting who you think you're going to hit. Traditional meat eaters, it's the same thing with not to dive too deeply into the culture war, but it's the same thing that happened with Bud Light. They're like, oh, well, let's market to this segment and you know ignore our main base. That segment doesn't care about you. Yeah. You're not creating lab culture grown meat and all of a sudden vegans and vegetarians are gonna be like, oh, awesome. No, they'll be like, oh, it's good that they're doing that. I'm gonna keep doing my thing. Meanwhile, us, the meat eaters who spend the money on it are like, I don't want that. So I it doesn't, yeah. I hope that's the way it goes. What, like, what do you see as the opposite side of that? Regular people just being, okay, I'll eat the meat that's grown from cells in a vat. Do you really see that as being? I don't see, I don't necessarily see that as like what people will truly gravitate to. I'm, I'm just honestly, I'm just, I'm fearful that people would. I don't think that, that that would be the direction that things go, but I'm very fearful that if that goes, if it goes that direction, it's bad. It's very bad. I agree that it's very bad. I just don't think, I don't think we'll get there. I think this all stalls out before it actually comes to market in a major way. Yeah. I think I, I, I agree with you yeah. and I don't think it'll happen, but it's just, there's still the fear that what if it does? I'm, I, I, catastro I catastrophize a lot. Sure. Fair enough. So, I love doing that too. Speaking of catastrophe, did you eat all that pepperoni up there? Uh, I ate all of the Sopracetta and all of the Finociana, but I left some Spanish chorizo 
and the pepperoni. Now I was going to eat those. I never, you never even crossed my mind. So I apologize for that because <laughs> I'm sure you would have liked some of the sopracetta, but I will leave some of the, of I, bought, the I bought crackers and cheese. <laughs> 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 so I was like, is that where you went? Yeah, he congrats. left the room yeah. <laughs> earlier on the podcast. Oh man, I'm sorry. No, no, that's fine. Right. You've but yeah, there's like a good it. amount of pepperoni and uh, uh, the, the, the chorizo left. In my opinion, the pepperoni and chorizo would be the best, anyways, with sure yeah. crackers and cheese. No, the supercenter would have been. You the think best. so? Uh, hey, we'll he try liked, and make you feel. He better. liked it. He liked. It. All right. Next article: Fourteen popular chain grocery stores ranked for meat from worst to best. All right, so in order, this is a top 14 list for some reason. Oh, worst to best. I saw the first one yeah. and I'm like, no, no, no. Unless you look, try not to look ahead unless you already have. Okay, I haven't looked Okay, ahead. so 14 is Target. I agree. Kind of a trash meat department. I don't buy any meat there, never have. I think I bought meat from it once and was not pleased. I have in cases of emergency, but. Like what? Like what was a case of emergency that made you? I don't know. I think it was like Sunday after church. And was like, we're doing steak. I don't remember. I don't know what happened. Okay. It was like we need steak. And you didn't want to travel somebody else. Well, somewhere else. I like that, that's Wal a pretty Walnut Valley is closed on Sunday. Sure. Um, I couldn't get it from a local processor, and it was either Dylan's or Target. And Target is literally on my way home from right. church, and I wasn't going to drive three miles out of the way to go to Dylan's. So a very so. loose. Use of the word emergency. I need very, it. very loose. I needed protein right then and there. Convenience. Yeah, convenience. Yeah. All right. So Target's the worst. Trader Joe's, surprisingly, was the second source. I've really? never bought any meat from there, but I'm surprised by that. I haven't either, but a lot of their stuff's usually pretty good. I'm I may have to try something sometime just to see because that surprises me. I just don't like the smell of that store. I think they intentionally put like a patchouli scent out for the hippies. And I don't like it. So my wife drags me there sometimes, but most of the time she's smart enough to know that she should go alone. They have some good stuff. Sure. There, though. They have a, a fried rice, like a frozen bag of fried rice that I love. I mm -hmm. make my wife get some every time she goes, but uh, good fried rice and like orange, orange or mandarin chicken or something. Sure. I'm sure. Uh, stuffed gnocchi. Fantastic. Cheese stuffed gnocchi. Yeah. You ever had stuffed gnocchi? <laughs> the way you say it makes me not happy. Is that not how you say That's it? That's not how we said it growing up. Gnocchi. Naki? Yeah. Whoa. Naoki. Whoa. But hey, it, it, I've come to just realize that different areas of the country say different things. You, th looking back now, you did give me a kind of dirty look there. And I, I understand not, why, because that is very different. And I feel like this is a word that you probably know how to pronounce over me. There's some words that I, that you say, and I'm like, you're you're dead wrong. So I'm going to take your side and <laughs> agree how, with you that I'm, I'm probably it. dead I, wrong. You know, it's how my family said it. I could be wrong there. So hold on, hold on one last time. How do you say that? Naki. Naki. Okay. All right. Uh, Walmart. Totally buy okay. that being yeah. the, the worst end. So now we're getting to sort of the middle. Uh, there's one I'm unfamiliar with, Mayer, M-E-I-J-E-R. Never heard of it. I think that's a Kroger store. All right, but they're right in the middle. Well, I don't think so because Kroger itself is on this list. Yeah, I've never never heard of it. Oh, nope. It's not a Kroger store. Okay. So never heard of it. Uh, Costco. Okay. So that's right in the middle. Safeway, right in the middle. Sam's. I actually really like the meat department at Sam's. I think it should be I above do. what's coming next, which is Kroger. I would go to Sam's before I'd go to a Kroger grocery store and expect a, a better cut of meat. You just don't have the same. You don't have the same options from, like Sam's has like big bulk things. Like, yeah, but they also have like maybe not individual, but they also have like packages of two and three. 
Not as many options though. So better though. I think, think so. I think so. I have to try it out then. Yep. I definitely think it's better than what you get at just your regular grocery store. Another one I don't know, which is Stater Bros. Right? I, if, I'm not going to buy meat from a place with bros in the name. <laughs> no, thanks. I'm buying a bagel. All right. Bros yeah, absolutely. Now, here's where I think this entire list loses probably most of its credibility. In fifth best pay place is Aldi's. Huh. How is that ahead of Trader Joe's? Because the, those are supposed to be, they're owned by the same company and one is low end, one's more mid to high. And how is it on this list at all? It, their meat I we bought some beef from them once. So I was like, no, never yeah, doing that again. Yeah, we've, we've had several conversations with people where they go, oh, we just don't get, we, we love Aldi, but we get everything but meat there. We yep. have to, you make a separate stop if yep. you're making something yeah. that weekend. You don't go, oh, just I'll run to Aldi and grab the. It's terrible. No, it's, yeah, I just don't think their, their upkeep on it isn't there for how small of a department it usually is in the store. I remember one time I was back going through their meat department. This is years ago. And I saw a package, like three pound package of ground beef in a foam tray. And it was like the worst color. And somebody reached for it. I said, don't buy that. I'm like, just don't buy that. I'm like, trust me, I, you know, I, I work kind of in the meat industry. You don't want that. I went up to the front, told the lady, I'm like, you have some meat back there that looks like it's going to get somebody sick. And she's like, oh, okay. Oh, all right. I'm like, all right. All right. So next is Publix. Um, I've bought meat from Publix a few times. Not bad. Um, Whole Foods, uh, I've bought seafood from there and it's good. So I'll go with that. Uh, Wegmans can confirm top notch. This is Wegmans kind of started in the Rochester area. So they're huge up there and their meat and fish department is amazing. So absolutely Wegmans should be at the top of the or near the top of this. Number one they had was Sprouts. Did you ever go to Sprouts really? when we had one here? Uh-huh. Yeah. It was pretty good. I liked Sprouts. The only reason I, I think they were, yeah, where they put the store, they were idiots. Yeah. It was so hard to so get hard into. So hard to get in. My wife and I loved going to Sprouts and we would get stuff, but we we stopped going because it was such a pain to get to. Yep. Too small of a parking lot, terrible location to get in and out of. Um, take you half an hour to get out of there. I, he's exaggerating, but I mean, <laughs> it could take you five minutes to get back onto the road, which is just not okay. So that was the list. Uh, I liked the top of it. Um some of the ones in the middle, I obviously uh, disagree with. Okay. Um, meat prices falling. Tyson food cuts sales forecasts. So not such good news because demand for beef and pork are actually starting to fall. And for A, our industry, and B, the way of life I want, that's bad news. Yeah, but if prices fall, it won't be long and demand will pick right back up. It's cyclical to a certain degree. Same like what I was saying earlier in like paying $25 for a steak. And I'm like, I'm not doing that anymore. As soon as it gets down to $20 a steak, then I'll be like, hey, I'm <laughs> back in. Let's back go. In, baby. Um, yeah, so I, I don't have a lot to talk about there other than as the economy continues to worsen, the demand for... Beef will continue to go down. I'm surprised pork, though, because pork is usually a or is a far less expensive meat. So I'm surprised that the demand for that is dropping. Mm -hmm. That one's interesting. We'll have to keep an eye on that. Is it going down? Does it talk about chicken in here? Is it going down just because chicken? Chicken has continued to rise no matter what. OK, um, that's just been steady over the past like 15 years. Chicken is eaten, I think, at per meal, not per pound, but is consumed the most. 
out of all the proteins. Interesting. We don't har- we eat a ton more beef now than we do chicken because chicken's been so expensive. And just if 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 things if all things equal, I'm gonna eat beef. We're finally out of the 80 pounds of chicken breast I bought my wife for her birthday. Romantic. Um, so I tried to order some more uh, through here recently, but Dylan never either got the order through or something happened. It never showed up. So, all right, last one for the day. And this. <laughs> oh my gosh. So, uh, this is vegan families threatening note to a neighbor for cooking meal or meat goes viral. And I want you to look at what's written on the envelope. So, scroll down. <laughs> There. They wrote on the envelope, oh important gosh. message, please take seriously. Like, as they had to be like, we know this is so ridiculous that we want you to understand this is not a joke. Yeah. If you have to explain to someone that you're not joking, that's probably not good. Probably not a good sign. So it says, hello, neighbor. Could you please shut your side window when cooking, please? My family are vegan. We eat only plant-based foods, and the smell of the meat you cook makes us feel sick and upset. We would appreciate your understanding. Thanks, Sarah, Wayne, and the kids. First of all, Wayne, get out of there. Um, (laughs) But most importantly, oh, wait, there's more? Enough is enough. Please take seriously. Last warning. You have taken the mickey out of me and have been downright rude. I raised my concerns of the smell of meat making my family feel sick and upset. And you go and have a barbecue on Saturday night inviting lots of people. And you knew this would affect me and my family. My friend Tina told me you took my letter to social media and it backfired on you, which is just desserts. Actually, that's just deserts. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just deserts, I guess. Um, please no more barbecue and please keep your window closed when cooking. Otherwise I'm coming to report you and go to social media too. Oh my God. And my main comment on this is why can't things like this ever happen to me? Why? Oh, I would, I would have so I would, much fun with this. I would pay to see your reaction. Oh my God. So here are just a few of the immediate thoughts I had on things I would do. First, I would take the foam packaging from a steak that I had cooked and I'd break into their house and I'd put it in their garbage so that somebody's going to find it and be like, hey, who's eating steak? One of you is cheating. So I'd start sewing division. Then when they were at work, <laughs> I'd cook bacon in their oven. So every time they use their oven, the whole house smells like bacon. And then if they had like a either a dog or a cat, I'd steal it and replace it with a dog or cat that looked really similar but it's not their dog or cat. Or, or So all of a sudden they're going to be like, why is you put a, Ruffles acting so weird towards me? Uh, uh, Just start chipping away at their mental sanity. A horse's head and their bed. Well, that's a step further. That That's later in the process. I feel Patrick. like you've spent some significant time thinking about no, this. No, those came to me right away. Okay. That, those were just immediate. Like, oh, those are the ones I would do. He goes, I would, I would, my favorite part is like, sounds pretty tame. He, first sentence, I would grab the, the foam from a steak and then next sentence, I'd break into <laughs> Oh yeah, we can't do anything without a little B and E. That's going to be essential for my plans. I would just start cooking like uh, a brisket or a pork shoulder or yeah. something that requires a very long, long cook cycle time. every day. Yeah. Started at six in the morning, yeah, ready for six o'clock dinner. All day long. And then... Um, wait in my house to see if they ever tried to come into my house 
to stop something. And then that would be the end of our having this problem. I'd probably also write a letter back that said uh, something to the effect of eating vegetables was offensive to me and I didn't like the smell because literally the, th the foods that I hate more than anything on this entire planet are certain types of vegetables and they literally celery. make me sick. I will throw up. I try to eat celery and I, I will throw up. That's it such is, a weird one. It's disgusting. I mean, celery, like a stalk, has no taste. No, yes, it does. Huh. See, it, I, it's probably like a cilantro it's thing for be. some people tasting like soap. For me, it it celery has a very distinct and I think strong taste and it's disgusting. When you were a kid, did your mom make you meet ants, eat uh, ants on a log? So, no, I wouldn't eat it. Like, okay. I've, I so you, wouldn't eat it. You've always been that way? Always been that way. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. But those are the um, first three things I would do. My wife and I were watching Dawn of the Dead the other day. It just, it was on Netflix. So I started it because I wanted something just on. And it gets to the point where they're like shooting the zombies from like the one guy in the gun shop. And they're like, oh, shoot. You know, they hold up like a Burt Reynolds nice. and he finds Burt Reynolds and then shoots him. Jeez. And I was like, I'm not saying I want this to happen at all, but I am saying I would have so much fun. <laughs> so much fun like probably gonna die but i would have a ridiculous amount of fun if you could go out the best way would be in a zombie apocalypse it's not a bad way to go i mean eh, i don't want to get bit so i'd probably keep a grenade on me at all times so if they get me yeah. just as long as it was like a legit like zombie zombie I would never want to be in the middle of a rage virus zombie. So you're apocalypse. thinking 28 days later? Yeah, like that scenario? No, 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 no. Well, hold on. Because um, Dawn of the Dead, Patrick, back or correct me if I'm wrong here. That was actually the first one where they could sprint. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I what mean, came first, Dawn of the Dead or 28 days later? I think Dawn of the Dead. Because yeah. that was what made that movie, in my opinion, so much better than any other zombie movie was all of a sudden, uh-oh, it's not a shambling horde. They're sprinting full speed yeah. at you. Yeah, we're not. And that movie just kicks right off. Yeah, we're not talking politics anymore. It's just run for your life. You get two minutes of intro, and then that little girl yeah. is at their bedroom door, and it just that was the chaos like, from there on out. Yeah, what's great about that is it's like little little nuggets of information <laughs> leading Sprinkled. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're like, oh, they have a neighbor. She seems nice. She's rollerblading. We'll see you later. <laughs> we'll probably see, run into you, you about again. 10 minutes. Oh, she fell asleep, exhausted. Miss, miss. Every time something goes by on the highway, the other direction, uh -huh. whether it's a siren or something, and we're having a conversation in the car, I'm like, I go, that's the, I go, that's the moment. That's the kickoff moment where I'm just like, oh, that's nothing. Yep. And then something else, I go, that's nothing. And then the TV goes, oh, we changed the channel off of it. I'm like, every one of these moments, I go, we're in a, we're in apocalypse yeah, right she, now. As, as soon as she gets into the car, it's on a news station. It's, you can hear it, and she changes it to some music. To just like drown it out and not think of it. Oh, no. It's days. such a great 28 days later came first. Oh, two and Donna the Dead, I think it was oh, three. Okay. Either way. Um, but my wife didn't get it and it upset me. But yeah. it's where like the two small groups meet up and the one guy goes, You don't want to go that way. It's like, Trust me, we came, you don't want to go that yeah. way. They're like, All right, where are you going? And he just goes, We're going to the mall. And it's such a genius line because it's short. But it perfectly encapsulates like the world is going to hell in a handbasket. What would Americans do? Let's go to the mall. Go to the mall. Go shopping. <laughs> like mm -hmm. it's just awesome. Great, great yeah, line. Great setup too. Like there's anything can happen at the mall. Yep. There's so many cool. So options. many awesome ways. And it also struck. And it, uh, the last thing I'll say about it 
it, it helps accomplish the like, well, how are they going to eat and get shelter and have bathroom? Like all it these, covers all it of it. covers all of it without showing a yep. single cell of it happening. Yep. So. Yep. Okay. All right. You got anything else? Nope. No. Good job for your voice. Your voice is the real MVP of this. I am actually like probably I, I, I maybe almost sound better than when we started. You definitely sound better than you did yesterday. We had a meeting right before we were supposed to record the podcast yesterday. And before Austin even said anything, I was like, you can't do the podcast. I didn't, I didn't talk a whole lot through the meeting. Right, like right. you talked mostly. And then at the end, when I went to say something, like I couldn't even talk. Like my voice was almost totally gone. And I was like coughing like crazy. <laughs> so it didn't work. All right, cool. We'll see you guys next time. Thanks everybody. Thanks for checking out the Meat Logistics Podcast. To shop everything but the meat, head on over to Waltons.com. To get your meat processing questions answered by experts and enthusiasts alike, head on over to our online community at meatgistics.com. Waltons, everything but the meat.